0: Hello world. This is Jim. I am coming to you yet again because, uh, as I mentioned last time, I of course, I always say this, but I started this whole podcast thing of a bobber so that I could uh, kill some time while I was sheltering in place, give myself something to do, give myself somebody to talk to uh, other than myself, uh, while I was holed up. And I said last time, you know, it seems like we're not going to need that anymore because it looks like the worst of it might be behind us. But of course I spoke too soon. It could be I jinxed all of us by saying that out loud and publishing it. Uh, but yes. Uh, long story short, Delta. Not the airline, but the thing that is currently now on the rise and killing people. So. It seems like we're now back to tightening up restrictions. The city where I live, uh, Boulder, the county, has issued a thing that says you have to wear masks indoors again. And people seem to be enforcing that. It's a little unfortunate, but, you know, we had a good three months there, which is really pretty good. That's better than the rest of the world. Uh, you know, it's better than the rest of the world. It's better than the chance they got. You know, we were lucky in the United States. It was like, if you want to get vaccinated, you want to be have, have a defense against this virus that's going around and killing people, you have the option. and We'll provide it for you uh, free, and it only became available like maybe a year after the whole pandemic broke out. That's pretty good. And so we had three months where things were pretty normal. I was walking around with almost people coughing at me, and I didn't care because, hey, I'd gotten jabbed. So, but it seems that that maybe you know, things might be going the other way. Like the pendulum is swinging the other way. We might be headed back towards uh, some kind of uh, at least partial lockdown. Um, But it was a good three months. And I'm glad I had those three months. And to be honest, uh, things are not, people are not uh, really tightening up that much. There is an annual fall festival in Boulder, which is going on this weekend. And I, I went out to it today and. Yeah, the recommendation is, you know, it's outdoors, but you should still wear a mask and I saw maybe three or four people wearing masks outdoors. So this is not something people are people don't seem that worried. I think people are just mask fatigued and they're like, really bring it on. Let's see what happens. You know, just tempt the fates. In any case, I'm back here now to talk about what am I going to talk about? I know what I'm going to talk about. Uh I have uh yeah, so I'll tell you a story. And the reason I'm telling you this story is not going to make any sense immediately. You'll get it later. But um, I scheduled an appointment with the Colorado DMV. I have to set myself up as a citizen here if I'm going to be for be here for a year. I don't think I can do what I did in Michigan for the past year and just say, you know, I'm, a, you know, emigre from California. who's just living in, you know, Michigan for family reasons. Now, I don't think that's... I think if the shit hits the fan, I don't think that's gonna legally fly, you know, and get into a car accident or something. So well why is your car registered in California and you 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 have a California license but you are living in Colorado? Not gonna chance that. Probably could, probably would be fine, but I figure I might as well be above board about all of this, you know, no reason. reason not to so took a while to get an appointment I had to schedule one like three or four weeks out and I went in on Friday morning the last Friday morning and um yeah so the lady behind the counter is uh she notices I'm from out of state and she's like let's see moving to uh Colorado uh you know do you um are you driving a Subaru and do you have a dog and I just kind of stared blankly at her like i I am totally not picking up what you were laying down. I don't, I don't get, I don't get the joke. And she was like, that's the stereotype. You know, everyone in Colorado drives a Subaru and they have a, they have a dog. And I was like, well, unfortunately I drive a Hyundai and I I, I don't have a dog. It's a really sad story. I know I wish I had a, especially on the dog front. It would be nice if I had a dog, but I haven't been able to commit to that quite yet. Um, someday I'd like to. I've, I've thought about. I'm not a vision board guy, but if I had a vision board, if I were to make one, the first thing I would put on it is one of those motorcycles with a sidecar, like Zach Braff had in Garden State. And I would put like a little, like probably a bulldog with goggles and a helmet in the sidecar, and he would just be my companion. And he'd be a therapy dog and I'd drive that motorcycle to like retirement homes and let him like interact with the old people. Someday I'm going to do that, but I'm, I'm leaving that for my 50s when I, you know, am less able to, you know, go hiking and do able-bodied stuff. You know, that's uh, more for my twilight years kind of thing. So um anyway, yeah, so that's I have a license now. They punched a hole in my California license and I have a temporary piece of paper with my face on it and my address and it's uh, I guess it's a license that if I get pulled over a cop would be okay with it and that's the situation I'm officially a Coloradan on paper apparently the DMV is uh you know you go to one place to deal with your license and another place to deal with your car so I've been in Colorado for two months now with California plates and a California registration and I probably have to take care of that uh sometime I'm sure I've been here long enough that I'm outside the bounds of the law, but, you know, again, you got to live a little, little dangerously, right? You can't, can't, can't always be going by the book because that just that just takes all the joy and fun out of life. Anyway, for those of you who listen to this, I can't imagine it's anyone. Um, the last couple episodes of this I've published, I, I, it doesn't look to me like anyone has listened to them. They've been out for a couple of weeks. Uh, which is great. I'd rather no one listen to this because it frees me up to just talk about whatever the fuck I want without concern of any kind of repercussions. You know, I can't imagine what repercussions there would be. Like who would listen to this and what kind of blowback there would be. Um, but somebody from work is going to like listen to this and then I'll get like socially shunned because I said something that offended someone. If that happened, I wouldn't care. And that's not going to happen. And if, for the record, if you're curious, um, the analytics that I get uh, for this podcast from Anchor FM, they only tell me that someone has started listening to it. They don't tell me how much a person listens to. They don't tell me uh, who a person is or where they're located. So I've got no data on who you are if you're worried about anonymity. And uh, even if even if I did have that data, I, I don't really I don't care who you are. Not to sound callous or insensitive, but uh, you know I respect your privacy. In any case, uh, I've told this story before. I harped on it quite a bit, I think, during coronavirus because it was it was something kind of significant in my life that happened just before the pandemic hit, and I, you know, since then I haven't gotten out much or I didn't get out much, so I, I talked quite a bit about it. But it's about. Um, it's about the girl that I met on the train now i'll I'll give you a brief quick capsule review of this whole thing um before I uh tell you what the update is here. I do have an update. There is more to the story. I'm not just rehashing an old thing because i'm I have nothing else to talk about. There actually is a story here, and it has to do with the evening after. I went to the DMV like last Friday evening. Uh so there's this girl that I met on the train. Now mid 2019, uh I broke off a wedding engagement. I it just something I had to do and I ended up like you know just in the wake of that doing some serious emotional processing and uh you know trying to figure some stuff out. And uh, I was commuting Uh, from San Francisco down to Sunnyvale every day on the train, like every morning. And, uh, some mornings, not every morning, there was this one particular girl, uh, fairly tall, uh, curly hair, um, who would get on the train and she would, I noticed her noticing me. Um, and, uh, you know, I was curious about her. Like physically, the way she looked, she was not my type. But there was kind of an aura about her, an allure, a mystique that uh, made me curious. You know, the mind was there. And so I wondered. But I, I have a sense of propriety. I, You know, if a girl's if, if we're on the train, I'm commuting to work. And there's a girl who's also commuting somewhere. I'm not going to go over and start flirting with her or ask her out because, you know, she's just trying to get to work. You know, it doesn't matter if she's looking at me. I don't want to be that guy, you know. Uh, I'm trying to get my jollies off. Besides, I was aware I'd just gotten out of like a an engagement. You know, I was I don't think I was uh, what uh, you know a psychologist or a therapist would call emotionally available. I was like, you got your own shit to deal with. You got to stay focused on you. You got problems to work through. Don't make your problems her problems. Just keep your distance. You're not ready. And I'm glad I had the presence of mind to to know that in any case uh it happened like like late january of 2020 like a few months later this is still kind of going on and there was one week where she really sat close to me and in a way where she like could sneak glances at me surreptitiously she thought i wasn't paying attention but i could totally see her doing this out of the corner of my eyes and, uh, you know, I'm still not in a good place. I'm still bummed out, you know. And anyway, this particular week, I go in on a Thursday morning and my company announces they're laying a bunch of people off. And it's the second time I've been through that. And I didn't get laid off. But if you go through layoffs, whether or not you get the ax or not, there's a whole lot of emotions that go along with that. You know, if you don't get laid off, there's like a survivorship kind of guilt thing. It forces you to look at, you know, what you're doing at this. It forces perspective. You look at yourself and you say, I don't why am I here? What am I doing? What am I what am I setting out to accomplish? You know, what's the point of this? Am I still happy here? Like it's sort of like you're just sort of on autopilot in a lot of ways. You're, You're waking up and going to the same job because you've been doing it for a matter of years and you just keep doing it. And all of a sudden this happens and you say, well, let's look at this. Let's examine this whole thing. And so one of the crazy things I did as a reaction to this is I was like, "I've the dating apps are a very, very bad idea. But the day after the layoffs, like Friday evening, you know, this is, uh, what is this? This is uh, January 24th. I actually remember the date, Friday, January 24th, 2020. I'm, I'm commuting home on the train. And I thought, you know what? Screw it. Uh, life is short. You never know when you might get fired or die or, you know, you get diagnosed with some sort of fatal disease. I was like, I think I'm ready to get back out there and just explore possibilities. So I installed uh, Tinder and I, you know, started swiping. And I remember going over to a wine bar that was across the street from where I lived. It was uh, the district in San Francisco, which is a beautiful wine part. It has like a motif of a, uh, I don't, don't want to say quite a log cabin, but it's all wood. You know, it's um, wood paneling, dark wood. Uh, it's a very, very classy place. Um, if I were to ever start any kind of place that serves alcohol, like if I was uh, going to invest in that or, um, you know, become an owner of some kind of establishment like that, I would model it on this place. You know, you have good sommeliers, uh good beer good bartenders nice environment uh good like us, that sort of thing so i'm sitting there and i'm swiping and i come across the girl from the train and i was like Huh, small world that is crazy again i know i've told all of this before but um you know, it felt like a small world story, but in hindsight, it really wasn't. I mean, OK, so uh, there's this girl checking me out on the train. I'm I'm noticing her checking me out. So it's, you know, we're both in the same city. It's very, very clear that we're both, you know, single and ready to mingle. That's not a whole that's not small world. That is just what happens when you're about the same age and, you know, in in the same city and, uh, you know, looking to get involved with other people. Uh, but I remember thinking like, wow, that's crazy. You know, so I did whatever you do on Tinder. If it's like you, you super like them or something, you, know, you make sure you get their attention. So I did get her attention after a little bit of back and forth. Uh We ended up connecting for coffee somewhere. Like we went, uh, like a uh, couple weeks later, we ended up going to a coffee shop um up in Nob Hill and, uh, you know, had a little 90 minute uh, date. Now, of course, it didn't go well. I was enjoying it. I thought she was a really cool person. I thought she was smart. I had the sense that, like, this is a person I could talk to about any subject. And, you know, I wouldn't get bored. I would hope that she wouldn't get bored. I see potential here. I'm enjoying this. And, you know, to be honest, I think it kind of made me nervous and it completely threw me. And about 90 minutes in, I noticed she's like, she's not focused on the conversation. She's looking towards the door. She's not engaged. And I was like, okay. I gave her an escape hatch. She jumped through it, and uh, you know, that was uh, that was that was pretty much the um, that was the end of it. I didn't hear back from her, and at that point, I, I swore off the dating apps. I was like, this is this is dumb. You know, I'm hoping that I'll find somebody I have something in common with, but the chances of doing that, it's, I don't know what to liken it to. It's the difference between. I'm not going to even come up with an analogy. It's the wrong thing to do. I think you just, if you go out and live your life and, you know, you hope maybe you meet somebody, the dating apps are the wrong way of going about that. You know, uh, I, I, I think that's, I think that's the wrong strategy. Um, but in any case, there's actually a lot of things that came out of this 90 minutes. Like the thing is, it's a girl that rejected me. I have enough self-esteem and self-respect that I don't fawn over somebody. Who, like I'm not like, why did she reject me? You know, now I have to be obsessed with this person. No, she she rejected me. That that's fine. But the nature of the conversation, like I really thought she was cool, and she talked to me a lot about San Francisco. And she was like, you know, there's there's some stuff I think you should check out. You know, she was telling me about Ocean Beach over on the west side of the city. And about Land's End, a little hiking place just to the north, and then Sutro Baths, which is a, the ruins of a, a, a bathhouse that some, you know, millionaire um, named Adolph Sutro built back in uh, the 1920s or 30s, I think, is when it was constructed. And I had never been over, you know, on that side of the city. You know, uh, she told me about, like, staircases, too. There's a ton of staircases in San Francisco that are just kind of hidden. And the thing is, I I, I kind of realized um, when she was talking to me that I hadn't gotten out of my little rut in San Francisco, like my little neighborhood of Soma. I, I really hadn't gotten out of that and explored the city much. Uh, part of that was because of the drivability and the availability of parking. Like I learned very early on in San Francisco, don't try to drive somewhere and park because there's it's just it's way too dense and there's way too many people with cars and there's not nearly enough parking um so i kept myself you know more or less confined to my little corner of the city but you know after our little encounter uh, i decided to go over and check out what she was talking about not for her but for me and i i remember going over to ocean beach this is like a couple of weeks later and this is when i fell in love with san francisco uh, I realized that there's, there's this t- entire dimensions to the city that I had been blind to, that I had not been, my, I hadn't, she opened my eyes to these things. And she was also like a volunteer tour guide um for an organization, like a nonprofit that's uh completely donation driven, that's associated with the public library that, uh, you know, people volunteer and give historical tours of San Francisco. And. You know, she recommended a book about San Francisco history called *The uh, Barbary Coast*, which is uh, by Herbert Asbury, who's also the author of *Gangs of New York*. And uh, as far as New Orleans history, uh, *The French Quarter*. Uh, he wrote these three books, and they're very—they cover the most interesting aspects of 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 history. If you if you want to read the more engaging parts of San Francisco history, uh, *The Barbary Coast* is the is the one to start with. It is not dry or boring at all. It very much puts, it doesn't gloss over the more uh, lascivious and uh, licentious uh, elements of, um, you know, San Francisco from the time gold was discovered until it actually became civilized maybe 50 or 60 years later. Um, so I remember going and picking that up and really enjoying it. And I, I, I was like, I love San Francisco, and I love um, like this this whole history thing. And so I started going around to bookstores looking for books about San Francisco history. And I, this is what I discovered: that uh, some of the more interesting San Francisco history books are rare and out of print, and you're lucky if you come across them. So I started scouring the city looking for um, rare and collectible books about about history of the city. Um, Yeah. So the thing is, like, it was 90 minutes and it was somebody who, like, told me, like, not interested in being involved with you in any way, shape or form. So fuck off. But despite that, uh, the impact that, you know, she had on where I was at the time um, was not proportional to the amount of time that I spent with her. Like, that little brief encounter really changed the trajectory of my life uh, quite a bit. you know, I kind of came away from that thinking dating apps are a waste of time. And, you know, I would, I remember thinking the following week, I remember being at work one morning, just like that following Wednesday, I was sitting there working and I was like, what am I doing here? Just People just got laid off and I'm, I'm not happy. And, you know, just, it was then that I gave notice at my job, you know, again, none of this has to do with her, but she was the catalyst for a lot of this. She, she was what, you know, kind of broadened my perspective on things and made me realize, you know, there's more to life than work and you got to keep that in mind and you got to start operating according to that. I know it sounds nuts, but sometimes you meet somebody who opens your eyes to yourself and to the world and to things. And it just, it, it, it just works out like that. Um, and so I always had this like secret wish that like one day I'd be in San Francisco and maybe I'd run into her in a coffee shop. You know, and I'd be like, Hey, I'm uh, not interested in like, you know, rekindling anything. Don't want to give this a second shot, but I just want to say thank you because you really, um, open my eyes to things. And, uh, really, I, I, that's kind of a, that's really an embarrassing admission on my part. This is not to say that she's, um, you, you know, she's not like a, a wonderfully unique person. Like I thought she was very, wo- she had a great personality. She was really a wonderful person. She was, really, you know, sparkling in a lot of ways. Um, but, you know, she was just as unique as the next person, as much of an oxymoron as that is to say. Um, you know, it's, it's not so much that I'm saying that she was so amazing and crazily unique that she elevated me up to her level. The thing was, I think that I was in such a mental rut, you know, like my own inner and outer lives had become so impoverished and so bland and so lacking in, I don't know, in in happiness and enthusiasm for life and living that it didn't take much. It was a very low bar to get me out of that rut. And I think that's what she did. She just happened to be the person that come along and hit all the right notes and got me out of uh, the hole that I was in. And uh, really, I I was happy about that. And I I always wanted the chance to thank her. Um, But, you know, I was like, it has to happen organically if I ever get that chance. It can't be that I seek her out because that would be weird. You know, you, you don't go... What what good would that do? You know, hey, it's me. I looked you up based on your name. I just wanted to, you know, say uh thanks. Uh, we really enjoyed that time we spent together on, you know, a first date where you rejected me like three months ago. You can't do that. But I-, I was hoping like something organically would happen. Um. But anyway, um, thing is about the first date that we were on, any first date I go on, I'm like, I'm the guy. So when I'm on a first date and I don't go on many dates, I'm paying very, very careful attention to everything that is being said because how well you listen and how well you retain on a first date, I think has a lot to do with whether or not there's going to be a second date, how good the second date is and whether or not there's going to be a third date. You know, the burden is on you, uh, to pay attention and to figure all of this out. Um, but one thing I remember her saying, uh, is that, uh, I asked her where she was from and she said, Colorado. Some of you might see where I'm going with this. Just to be clear, I'm not trying to build toward the big surprise ending, you know, like, bet you didn't see that coming. Chortle, chortle, har har. Um, you probably can figure out what's, what I'm going to, to say here, but, You know, she mentioned she was from Colorado. I really didn't press for any more details because there's there's a limit to how personal you go on a first date. Like, okay, so what what city in Colorado did you grow up in? You know, what neighborhood in the city? What what was the address? What did your parents do to you when you were growing up to completely screw you up that you're now in therapy for? Like, you just there's a boundary to first dates. You don't go that deep. So I knew Colorado and that was it. You know, she she was like, I you know, I'm not that into skiing, but you know, it's it's a thing. Um so last Friday evening I was in the uh I guess you'd say the retail district of Boulder. It's the you know, it's the area of town that has like a Target and a Barnes and Noble and a whole foods and the Macy's and you know the shopping mall and everything. It's uh it's that neighborhood. And so I'm I'm turning uh right to head west, uh, back to where I am living in Boulder, um, you know, on my way home, and I'm waiting to make a right turn, and there's people turning left, going the opposite direction, or turning, you know, in, in front of me, and uh, a car went by me, and I saw this girl. At least I was absolutely sure but it was her I was like that's 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 her like it's her hair it's her face it's it's everything uh there's no way that can't be her and I was like but there's I was like but I had my doubts because I was like that would be way too much of a coincidence that's way too like like maybe you're just seeing what you think you want to see um and uh, so I did what any normal uh I, I guess quasi creepy dude would do. And I like followed her for a couple blocks until I managed to pull up alongside of her, you know, and she was stopped at a red light. I had to pull into the left turn lane, um, to be next to her. I you know, kind of waved frantically. I did that crazy thing where I'm like just yelling uh with my window down. I got her to roll down her window, got her attention, and uh I was like, hey you, you know, uh her name. Uh, and it was her and I was like, it's, um, it's Jim. We went on a date like just before, uh, coronavirus hit, um, maybe a month before that in Nob Hill in San Francisco. And she just like, you know, kind of laughed, you know, I was like, you know, she had the same reaction I did. Like, holy shit, really? How is that possible? And, uh, you know, then, you know, the light, uh, the light changed. She was like, you know, got to go, you know, take care. Um oh, She asked me, like, w- where are you going? And I was like, I'm headed home. You know, I live, I live in Boulder now. And, uh, you know, then the light changed. And she was like, um, okay, well, you got to take care. I got to go. And, you know, I, I watched her pull forward and I could see her reflection in her side mirror. And she was like grinning ear to ear, like really I don't know, just thrown by the serendipity of the coincidence, you know, the fact that she was grinning so broadly and seemed so happy by the whole interaction. Like, I was like, okay, so she doesn't remember exactly who I am, because if she did, I don't think she'd be smiling so widely. But yeah, I eventually turned and I drove the two miles home and yeah, I don't remember that drive home i don 't remember it at all. I was just like in a daze, like, did that just happen? like how on earth could that have like of all the people that I could have run into from my past, of all the people that I like why her? why now why you know it, it's like it's one of those things where it just seems like there's some cosmic significance to it, even though I'm not claiming that there is, but you get a sense from these kinds of and these kinds of things happen to you, and you're like, maybe the universe isn't random, you know? Maybe the occasional wish I thought in the back of my mind, like, I wish I could run into her again and have, like, some, you know, flimsy excuse to, like, just say, hey, uh, you really changed things for me, and I appreciate it, despite the fact that, you know, it didn't really work out. Um, but, yeah, I... That happened. I got home and I was like, you know, I remember, <clears throat> I remembered her name, and I remembered where she worked, and I was like, I wonder if she still works there. So I looked her up and I found her on the website, like the company's website, and I, um, I, yeah, found her email, and so I typed up an email saying basically what I said earlier. I just. Um, I hope you don't mind me reaching out to you. This is kind of creepy, but we met on the train later, slash one of the Godforsaken dating apps. Um, we met for coffee, uh, didn't, you know, go super well, but uh, I remember you telling me about, uh, you know, San Francisco history and, uh, SF city guides and how you give historical tours and, uh, recommended some books to me and, uh, really all of that, that whole interaction, like what we had, um, in brief. That really changed uh, the trajectory of, that I was on in, in really unexpected, weird ways. And I was like, I don't want you to like reply back. Like, don't feel pressure to reply back. I just wanted to say, hey, you know, uh, I, I figure she's a history buff. You know, she's given historical tours of San Francisco. If you, if you manage to like infect someone else with that passion, you know, if you happen to like, arouse that enthusiasm in somebody else and you make them interested in in the same subject you are. I figure it's maybe a little bit validating to hear that, you know, I don't know what her reaction was. You know, fortunately, she hasn't replied. I really hope she, you know, doesn't. Uh, Again, I have enough self-respect that even if, uh, you know, I keep my distance from people who've rejected me, it's, you know, it's not healthy. I wouldn't be like, let's 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 give this a second chance. Let's see if we can do the No, because even if it worked out, you always have that initial rejection hanging over your head. And that's that's always going to it's always gonna put a damper on anything, uh, no matter how well it goes from that point forward, I think. So it would I'd be very hesitant to do anything. I that wasn't the intent, but I just wanted to I wanted to say that I wanted to say my piece and finally put that all behind me. And uh yeah uh that was that that was it i i'm i'm still kind of floored by that you know um i got a call that uh that evening from a friend of mine it was like hey we're going camping in the rockies uh do you want to do you want to join us and so it was uh it was just before it was labor day weekend so it was a three-day weekend and we uh we went up and and camping and that, that entire weekend i was just wandering around uh you know the it was car camping, but it was very, uh, it was very isolated. You know, the campsites were maybe half a mile apart from each other and, and recessed from the road. And so it was very, uh, very wilderness kind of trekking sort of feel. Even though it was car camping, you know, there wasn't a, uh, there wasn't like a, a bathroom or a central, you know, place to for any of that. There were no facilities. It was just here's a place you can build a fire. And, uh, yeah, our campsite was right next to a creek, um, amongst a lot of hills. Uh, and it was far enough out there that when it got dark, we, you know, built a bonfire and you looked up and clear skies, you could, it was more stars than I had ever, you know, seen in the sky before. It was absolutely gorgeous. It was stunning and I loved it. Um, but I was kind of like in a day's that entire weekend, just, like, sort of, I don't know, roaming around with this this big grin on my face, like, maybe things aren't entirely random, you know? It's nice when those things sort of happen, you kind of get the sense that, like, you know, oh, I kind of feel like I'm the center of the universe. Like, that all happened for me. That all happened because of me, because of what I wanted. I know that isn't true, but there sometimes things happen like that. And it just sort of, I don't know. It's one of those. I'm reminded of like an old uh, line from a a poem that is in Allen Ginsberg's Howl, um, which is uh, to say that. um, And the creator gave me a shot of his presence so as not to deprive me of my yearning for him. It's exactly that. Like you just there's a flash of something you know, the infinite opens up to you and stares you in the face. And you're like, I don't know how to describe it. I think you've all had these experiences. You can probably tap into your own past and say, yeah, I remember when this happened and that wasn't that crazy coincidence. And it seemed meaningful. It was like that, you know, I thought it was a whole small world thing when like we saw each other on the train and suddenly we connect on a dating app. No, it's a weird thing that there's this person who like, really has a significant impact on your life and then they disappear because that's just what happens after first dates that don't go well. And all of a sudden you run into them in another state a year and a half later. My mind is still kind of blown by this. I don't quite know what to, to make of all this. But anyway, it was... um It was a nice experience. Um, anyway, I, yeah, that's pretty much, um, that's pretty much the end of that whole story. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the car that she was driving when I ran into her on the road in Colorado last uh, Friday, it was a Subaru. So there's that. (laughs) <laughs> kind of makes sense I gotta say like a, a tall objectively pretty girl with left-leaning tendencies uh politically speaking uh <laughs> in a Subaru that is so uh I've only been here for a couple months but that just feels so bolder uh to me there are some tall people here too like I'm a pretty tall guy like I was just back in Michigan and I'd go into like Meyer or something and like just towering over most people around. Um, not so much in Boulder. Like there are actually like some people that like I'm looking up to. Like people are six four, six five, including like women. I, it, it's 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 kind of a I don't know. It's nice. It's nice not to have that be a thing. Like people that just gawking up at you. The last job I had, we used to do like stand up, which is it. it, it it's uh I guess is exactly what it sounds like it's a daily meeting where you all have to stand up and the reason you stand up is so that no one like drones on and on because you're all your legs are all getting sore it's kind of a, a fail safe against people wasting other people's time but i was the tallest person that went to those meetings ever uh by like at least six inches so i was just i don't know self-conscious about it you know like it was, it was a weird feeling. I, I like it when the the playing field's a little bit more level. Um. Anyway, yeah, uh, I'm enjoying Boulder so far, quite a bit. Uh, school's now back in session. I don't know if that was true the last time I published one of these things and was, was talking about Boulder, but um, I I devised the jogging route as soon as I arrived. You know, uh, like a little circuit I make, which is maybe two or three miles that I jog every other day. And, uh, this was still in the summer when I came up with it. And I didn't realize that, uh, this is, um, the route that I chose goes largely through student housing. And so I went out jogging like on, on Friday night, which was welcome weekend before like classes starts. All the students are like moving back in and, and it was just chaos. And I was just like, you know, the neighborhood is like a mix. It's like half student housing and somehow it's, it's half families and people that are living there who've paid like two or three million dollars for a house. It's just them and students somehow living side by side in the same neighborhood. I don't know how that works, but I was like, you know, some 40 year old dude like running, like jogging through, um, where all these college parties are happening and just I just felt so out of place and I'm still doing it you know I haven't I haven't broken the habit and found another running route but it feels weird uh to be like running through I don't know I just I just keep my blinders on you know like somebody asked me recently like so how how is it living that close to a university where there's like a bunch of students And I was like uh you know I don't um I don't I don't pay attention to the the students are not on my radar I don't give a fuck about the students like you know i'm not uh, i'm not a dick about like i'm not mean to them but uh you know i i don't uh i don't care i'm not one of those uh guys that's like looking at the women like ooh, you know she's like she's in her she's uh 18 or whatever 19 or 20 you know that's uh or you know the guys no hell no you know i don't care about any of these people it's like uh like, so how do you like living with kindergartners? Like, I don't know. They make a lot of fucking noise and they're kind of annoying at times, but that's about it. You know, I just I just sort of keep them off. They're not on my radar. I don't notice them unless they call attention to, them, to themselves and, you know, uh, call out to me specifically. There's really no reason for me to pay attention. So it's, um, I don't know. I like being in a college town, though. I think uh, because I'm, I call myself a centrist, but I think I have probably more. You know, liberal values than I do conservative ones. I tend to lean that way. And, uh, so I, I, like, um, it's, you know, I think it's my preference. Then there's always stuff going on. You know, people are always doing things. Uh, Boulder doesn't need a university to, to have a lot of character. Um, that'd be the campus too. Like the thing is campuses, college campuses tend to be really well designed from a landscape architecture point of view, like there's usually spaces. Like when I was living in Palo Alto, very, very close to Stanford, Stanford had a nice campus, which was, um, as I've mentioned, designed by Frederick Law Olmsted, the OG of landscape architecture, he designed Central Park, had a hand in Golden Gate Park and a bunch of other things, but it was a beautiful campus, you know, and it, um, yeah. I just, I I like, I like all of the elements that a university campus uh, brings to a, uh, to a city. Um, Yeah. Anyway, I think that's about it. That's my whole, like, uh, you know, small worlds thing. Update on what's going on in Boulder. Um, I am sitting somewhere across town from where i live thing is it's not a very big city like i spent all winter uh in detroit and so it's like i would look up a place like i, I want to go i want to go shopping at uh i don't know a target or some shit so i'd look up the target and i'd be like okay it's about two inches from me on the map that i'm looking at that's you know and i learned that like two inches at roughly the zoom ratio is uh you know maybe a 20 or 25 minute drive you know if there's no traffic and uh it's it's different here like i i look at it and i'm like okay there's a place over you know you know uh over across town all the way on the other side of the city that i want to go shopping at and uh it's not that far like i looked up this park to come drive over here and just sit like it, it's kind of raining out right now that's why i'm podcasting instead of out you know, on the Saturday night doing something. Uh, so I was like, I'm, I'm going to go sit in a park and do some podcasting and just uh, look um, at the mountains. And so I, I saw the park and I was like, okay, it's, it's maybe, uh, I don't know, it, it's two inches away from me, so it's going to be a long drive. So, you know, I queued up like an audio book. I was like, I'll listen to this whole chapter by the time I, uh, I get over there. It took me like five minutes to get over here. This town is so small. It's like, it, it was like living in Santa Barbara. Like everywhere in Santa Barbara was maybe yeah, five minutes from you. Unless you were going to Goleta, which is like, I don't know, maybe a 10 minute drive away from uh, it's like the other side of the greater uh, Santa Barbara area. It's like that. It's just this tiny little place. And uh, yeah, sitting in my car, it is warm. It is warm with the rain it is humid. Let me open my door here and get some cold air in. Ooh. Oh, that feels good. Ah, yeah. Anyway, I feel like I've been doing all the talking here. Um, how, how are you? How are things going out there for you? How's, how's the Delta situation treating you? Is everything, uh, is everything shutting down? Um, I hope not. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, I'm sitting in this park, um, I guess maybe a couple miles from uh, where I live, and I'm looking at the mountains. This is the one thing I like about it is that Boulder is, like, right on the cusp of uh, of the Rockies. The, uh, you know, Boulder's claim to fame, as far, as far as the view of the mountains go, is the, uh, the Flatirons. You no, know, flat iron. Flat iron is a name for a geological phenomenon. That's a generic thing. It's like, it's like saying the mountains. You know, we have the flat irons. You know, with a capital F. You know, we we've co-opted that term. We as though I'm from this fucking place, as though I have anything to do with it. Uh, term's been co-opted by whoever settled this place. We call our flat irons the flat irons. There are no other flat irons. It's like saying, you know, the hills. Um, yeah, and I'm just, I'm just enjoying the view of the mountains. Um, I have a slight view of the mountains from where I currently live. Like my patio, you can see the mountains like just over the trees. There's a little bit of them just peeking out and saying hi and waving to you. You can't see too much of them, but I can see them. And I know that when, when fall comes and the leaves fall off the trees, I'll be able to see a good deal more of them. I'm kind of anxious to see what that looks like. I'm kind of anxious for winter. You know, it's been really hot here the last few days. I'm actually starting to think to myself, I'd like to, um I don't know, have a different weather experience. I'd like to, uh I don't know. So I spent the winter, this past winter in Michigan. There was snow and cold and I hiked around in it. And I did it, I did it with a good attitude. And it wasn't like when I was living in Detroit, Way back in the day when I first got out of college and it was like you have to drive to a job that you absolutely hate and are miserable at. And you have to like scrape the snow off your car and your you're bumper to bumper traffic just for the five miles where it shouldn't be that hard to like have open roads. It's just there's too many people driving. That's just miserable. And it's all flat, like all the benefits that come with snow. There are none of those in Michigan. But you know, this past winter, I was like, you know, I didn't have to commute to work, uh, so I, I just, yeah, you know, I, I went with it. I was like, this is kind of nice. I want to go find a hill and like roll down it, you know, because um, I don't have a sled and I don't want to buy one. And uh, I'm looking forward to the winter hitting here because now I'm in Colorado. I'm in, I'm in a place where outdoorsiness is like a thing, you know, it's a major part of the culture, and there are hills. There are um, there are places you can go that like specialize in winter sports gear. You know, you can go buy snowshoes or uh, uh, winter waterproof hiking boots and stuff like that. There's this whole culture of stuff that's going on that I've never experienced, and I've got a winter coming up where I can suddenly dive into all that. Um, and there's so much open land around me. I cannot wait for fall. I know this is a place where there are corn mazes and it's not like Detroit where it's like you have to drive an hour just to get to like some open plain where there's uh you know, a corn growing here. I think it's probably like 10 or 15 minutes away at most. And you're going to find like a place where there's bales of hay and you can pick your own pumpkin. And I, I can't wait to, I can't wait to, I want those days to come around It's September. It's mid September now. When the hell did that happen? It's fucking September of 2021. Speaking of, like, pre-pandemic, like, stories that I, uh, I, I'm kind of reflecting back on, when the fuck did that happen? When did it be, not stop being 2020? I don't remember that happening. I, I remember it happening, but it doesn't feel like it should have happened yet. Yeah. In any case, yeah. Anyway, I, um, yeah, I haven't done a whole lot today. I'm sitting here watching the mountains. I, uh, So I've, the thing is, the stuff that I own, as I may have mentioned, is still in California. The the plan was, let's just, let's just stash it in a storage unit and someday I'll go back to the Bay Area and I can, you know, pick up where I left off. It was essentially like cram everything into a storage unit. That's like a restore point in a video game and one day I'll just, you know, start over where I was. I'll resume uh, the life that I was uh, living at the time. Didn't quite work out like that. You know, my drive back to California, uh, long and winding route that I was taking, I kind of just ended up in Colorado and said, fuck it, I'm just going to stay here. So all of my stuff that I own, there's admittedly not a whole lot of it. Uh, it's mostly books and some shitty furniture and uh, I, a really nice, I miss my bed. My, my mattress is out there. And, uh, you know, just to, just to make up for it, I've had to like, I had to buy a bed. And I was like, I'll buy a twin bed because I've already got a queen bed. I'll get a twin later when I'm like, I merge all my shit together. Like twin bed can be the guest room bed. And so now I have a twin bed that I sleep on. And it's, it's, it's weird for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, I'm a guy who's like almost 40 years old. I'll be 40 next year and I'm sleeping on a twin fucking bed. There's that you should not do that past a certain age. I don't know what it is. Maybe, maybe 30, 35, but a guy should not be sleeping on a twin bed. Even if you're single, even if you're not dating, this is just, it it, it feels like, I don't know, like having a futon in your living room. It's just classless. The other thing too, is that the mattress I bought, like I just picked a cheap one. I like, mean, this look comfortable. It'll work. It'll be fine. Um, but it's really, really thick. It was thicker than I really accounted for. And I ordered a a frame for it to sit on top of. And I thought I ordered the same frame that I had, but I actually ordered one that's like several inches taller. The mattress is really thick. It's really, really firm. Like I'm a side sleeper. So it like messes up my back if I sleep on it all night. So I got, I got a mattress topper for it. It's like three inches. And so you add all these things together and I'm a really tall guy with really, really long legs, but I have to like, put my back to this thing and like jump up onto it to get into it. Every And like getting out of it is like, I, I feel like I'm going to break my fucking leg every morning when I wake up, I got to jump out of this thing. Like I'm close to the ceiling. I could like paint the Sistine Chapel um, on the ceiling and above me. And so it it's, it's, it's a weird situation. Um, that's not where I was going with. I don't, you know, I don't think you need to know about my whole sleeping situation in my bedroom or whatever but I thought I'd uh thought I'd share that with you as long as I'm over sharing all this shit um but I learned very quickly that um you can stock a kitchen very cheaply um and so I have been thrifting lately and I like thrifting this is I, I love doing this because I love finding deals I love finding really nice stuff that's in good condition that people have just ditched for one reason or another. And the thrift store is just like, well, we, we got to get rid of it. We don't really know what it's worth. We're just throwing prices on everything without regard to how good quality it is. And so you can, you can really stock the kitchen super cheap. Like my first weekend, I went out to all the thrift stores in Boulder and there's maybe four of them. Um, and I, I managed to get all the basic things that a person might need. Um, for maybe 150 bucks, you know, some things I don't buy use. I, I bought new silverware and I bought, uh, um, well, there's some things you, just, you know, I don't buy used underwear. I don't know who, I don't, I don't think any degenerate does that. I hope, no, I, I wouldn't do that. I'm sure it's done, but, um, uh, but, but I've been in the process of upgrading. The thing is you can make a kitchen functional very, very cheap, but if you want really, really good stuff and you want specialty stuff that allows you to like, uh, really, I don't know. Do a good job of cooking. Um, then you got to be a little bit more patient. And this is one of the advantages of living. Um, whew, it is it is really steamy in here. Uh, I'm sitting in this car in the park, and the windows are steamed up. I'm people are walking by with their kids. It probably looks like I'm in in this place having sex. Let me turn on the turn on the AC. Uh, but in any case, I um, yeah. So being this close to Denver, there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff in the greater Denver area, and a lot of thrift stores. And so I, this is what I've been doing with my time is uh, driving like a half an hour down there and um, hitting up all the thrift stores, all the Goodwills and the Salvation Armies and the uh, whatever whatever local places you know uh, that exist, looking for really really good stuff. Like so, you slowly. You make a kitchen functional, but then if you, if you have patience, you can upgrade everything so that you have, uh, you know, you have good quality stuff. Um, so that's what I've been in the process of doing. Um, got a really nice, uh, frying pan. Took me a little while to, uh, to find, find a good one. Uh, one with a really, really thick bottom that holds the heat. Uh, but I, but I did find so one with a, with a lid. And, uh yeah, I don't know how much that would be new. It was a really, really nice one. But um anyway, where I'm going with this is that at the age of, like, almost 40, I've decided it's probably time for me to uh, learn how to cook properly. And uh when I say cook, I mean cook. I don't mean bake. Uh, I am not, like, a precision kind of fellow, you know. Uh Baking is a whole other art form in which you have to, like, add just the right – uh, ingredients, you know, just the right n- number of ingredients that you have to measure everything out perfectly or else it, you know, blows up on you in the fridge. I don't do that. I, I'm very, very fast and loose. I'm more like, like the old joke, like Emerald. Just like, hey, you want some pepper? Just throw some of that stuff in there. Like, I like that. I like the ability to improvise. And, uh, <clears throat> really, I guess it was a couple of things. It was like watching, um, that movie Chef with John Favreau and the other movie that had kind of the same plot uh, with Bradley Cooper, only it was like way more racy and, you know, the sexual overtones. And, uh, I don't remember the name of that one, but you know, they're professional cooks and you just, you see them in these movies, like putting dishes together. Like John Favreau's like, I'm going to go to the farmer's market. He's just like, he's grabbing things, like grab some onions and some peppers and, uh, you know, these, these herbs and spices. And he's like, I've got an idea in my mind. I'm going to take them home and like throw them into the frying pan with some oil and, uh, you know, like mince some garlic and throw it in there. And, uh, I like the, I like the idea of being able to do that. You know, I have a friend, uh, Rick, uh, that I knew in Santa Barbara. And he was, uh, he had been trained as a chef when he was a teenager. Um, uh, so, so he said. And I remember like being at his place and he like cooked, uh, you know, food. For me and uh, my girlfriend at the time and just sort of put it on a plate and, you know, passed it over to us. And I was like, it's really a very classy move. You know, he just he just knew how to make a dish. He wasn't like sitting there following like a YouTube video or a never Betty Crocker recipe book open. He just he knew what he was doing well enough to throw together a dish that tasted really good. Um, I wanna be able to do that, you know. Not not like the way a chef does it. Like chefs I think are trying to push the envelope a little bit. They're always like, how can we like do something that's never been done before, you know, make it really uh, orgasmic kind of like tasting thing. It will blow people's minds. Um, I'm not looking, uh, to, um, to exhilarate. I think I'm just looking to, uh, I'm looking for confidence and, uh, I really never knew how to, uh, get a foothold in doing that. Um, <clears throat> Like for, for many years now, I've been saying to myself, someday I'm going to, I'm going to le- learn food chemistry. Like I'm going to take the chemistry knowledge I have and apply it to food. And then I'll, using that, I'll, I'll get a, I'll springboard myself into being able to cook really, really well. But the problem is food chemistry is complicated and it's not the easiest way of getting started. Like it's like, um, I don't know, saying you, you're going to build a car and then, um, you know that that'll be how you learn mechanical engineering or something. I, I don't know what I'm bad at coming up with analogies like or similes like it's like this, um. But that's that's too complicated. Like I think if you want to learn food chemistry, you got to get your hands dirty and then you know then you have the intuition that allows you to learn food chemistry. So my approach has been roughly this: you find a recipe that you like that you think would sound good to make. It sounds like you could you could pull it off even as an amateur and you figure out what it, what it calls for me. It says like, okay, um, you got to dice an onion. Okay. Well, how do you dice an onion? Okay. Well, you need, you need a knife. That's where you start with. You need, you need the cutlery in order to cook. You need a knife and you need it to be sharp. So that, that's, that's the first thing. Um, so you get yourself some knives and a means of sharpening them. You know, you figure out your knife skills, Figure out how to hold a knife, how to use a knife really, really well. Um, and then once you got that down, then you start looking into, okay, how do I, like, make cuts on specific things for specific purposes? So you need to dice an onion. Okay, how do you dice an onion? Uh, look a, look it up on YouTube, how to dice an onion. And, like, maybe watch six or seven different people showing you six or seven different ways of how to do it. Um, and pick the best one you know, practice a few of them, you know, uh, pick the one that, that makes the most sense. That seems like you can, you can pull it off and, uh, yeah. Or like, how do you, you have to mince garlic. Okay. You have a bulb of garlic. How do you break up the bulb? How do you peel the cloves easily? Um, how do you mince it? How do you get that garlic smell off your hands? You know, there's a whole lot of little details you gotta, gotta bear in mind. Um, but you just, you figure out all the little subcomponents of this whole process of assembling all this food how do you prepare the ingredients and you practice each of those and then you just try and put those together and you know try cooking and the result is not always palatable um but you know this is how you learn it's trial and error um one dish i've been trying to do on the regular is uh seared ahi tuna um which is delicious, and if you prepare that at home, it's not that hard, and uh, you you can do a pretty good job of it, you you just prepare a dry rub and, uh, you know, uh, flash fry the thing on high in a pan. Um, I haven't quite gotten it down yet, maybe not least of all because I can't find ahi tuna. I haven't found it yet. I've just been doing yellowfin tuna, and I I don't know how that translates. you know, seared yellowfin tuna. I don't know if it's quite the same thing, but I haven't quite gotten the proportion of spices down yet. I'm just, uh, once a week, uh, trying it out and, uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, headphones are dying. I don't think I have a whole lot of time left. And now I am talking about cooking for some reason. This seems like this uh podcast is about to, uh, this, this particular episode is about to jump the shark talking about, uh, cooking. Especially at my expertise level, just seems like, uh, I don't know, such a middle-aged thing to do. Like, you know, you're podcasting about bird watching or something really abysmal like that. So I'm going to cut myself off and, uh, head home. It's, uh, sun is setting. The rain has stopped. So I think it's time I went on my, uh, my nightly jog. I'm going to go run around and listen to, you know, it's Saturday night. So I'm probably going to be, uh, you know, running through a bunch of college students you know throwing their way to parties and throwing up on trees and stuff it's gonna be oh it's gonna be a night um anyway uh this was great we should do this again sometime <laughs> uh, wherever you are I'm gonna close with my normal hey i hope you're doing well out there take care of yourself uh wear a mask unless you don't want to in which case don't don't really give a shit anyway be well Take care of yourself, and until next time, this is Jim signing off. Uh, be well and prosper. Cheers.